It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Sports Mix. It is Monday, May 8th, 2023. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin. Big show today. going to talk high school baseball from the weekend, an exciting weekend, as well as softball. Softball sectionals going on. An absolute thriller on Saturday between Jefferson and Washington. We'll get into that game here momentarily. Uh, we're going to Preview tonight's softball game. Hedgesville taking on Malsman. The winner of that game will advance to the regionals to take on Jefferson. And then we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, some WVU basketball news as well, uh, some college basketball news in terms of Bronny James. He has made his decision. And then we'll finish the show talking about the Orioles and the Nationals. Colin, how are you today? Doing all right. Is our show brought to you by Brown Funeral Homes and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. It's a big week in sports, as you already said, especially here locally with baseball sectionals getting ready to start, softball already in action, getting ready to conclude and gear up for regional. So it's a great time to get the follow along. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Colin, you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. I got to go to Cincinnati, help my sister move out of uh, college, went to a uh, MLS DC nice. United where I was uh, playing in Cincinnati as well. So got to see them, got to go to a few bars uh, and have a lot of fun. It was a great area. Cincinnati's a cool place to be. Yeah. How kinda, about you? You have a good weekend? Yeah, I kind of did the opposite of you. I just kind of stayed home and chilled, kind of caught up on some TV shows Watch some Barry since that's wrapping up this season as uh, the final season. So I caught up on that. Uh, just kind of you know chilled out, played some video games. It was, it was a good weekend though. It perfectly segues into who did what. I mean, some teams got to chill out, maybe like you did. Some teams were in action. Yeah, that's true. This weekend and starting off, it was Hedgesville baseball in action against Frankfurt, getting the ten nothing win. Yeah, good win for the Eagles. Uh, Braylon Connor goes three for four at the plate, continues to do his thing, hitting the baseball, and then they had some home runs as well. Tanner Matthew goes yard. Uh, Mike Nichols hits a homer. So uh, this Hedgesville team was able to click, get a good 10 nothing win over a solid Frankfurt team. We saw them down at Myrtle Beach put up some good performances. So um, you know, good win for the Eagles to build that momentum heading into sectionals. Uh, and they're looking like a team that, I mean, can certainly do some big things. I think the argument could be made that they could have been anywhere from uh, the number one overall seed in the region to maybe the three seed in the region. They fell right in the middle there at the two, and I think it's a good spot for them. Uh, they're certainly a talented team. They have their big three uh, kind of on the mound that have thrown for 62% of their innings this year between uh, Ruest, Matthew, and uh, Lane DeLauter, and all those guys can be dominant at times. So, you know, it's a it's a good team. We've talked about them all year as a team to look out for, and uh, that 10 nothing win showed a little bit of everything that they can do, pitching really well, and, of course, the bats with the home runs. Uh, so really complete team victory the other day for Hedgesville. 
Yeah, when Nichols and Matthew get to hit home runs and then extra base hits for Gano and Connor, it's a pretty solid day. And yeah, there were four errors for Frankfurt to give them free bases, but the only other free base is only uh, working for two walks. So it was really uh, hitting the bat on the ball and getting 12 base hits to score those 10 runs for Hedgesville offensively. And you already mentioned Braylon Connor doing what he does best and typically from your leadoff guy you just are okay with him getting on base and then others driving in the runs that he puts for those situations but he's putting in the runs too I mean a two RBI day for him with those three hits and scoring one as well himself so it was a solid performance by him and then as you mentioned Ruest going those five innings giving up only four hits and Striking out seven and no walks as well is really impressive. So Hedgesville getting that win is uh, looking pretty solid heading into this week. Yeah, and I think you you talk about Braylon Connor. I think he's one of the best players in the EPAC this year uh, with the bat. You know, 438 average, uh, great on-base percentage as well from the leadoff spot. Um, yeah, he's had a great season. So, you know, you put him in that lineup with the, the power behind him. And if Hedgesville's clicking, I think they can do some damage. They got Spring Mills tomorrow. They just beat Spring Mills 21 nothing. Uh, we'll talk about that game a little bit more tomorrow, but you're expecting an a Eagles win. It'll be interesting to see who they go with. Probably Matthew, I would think, from the pitching perspective, since rest just pitched on Friday. And, of course, Lane DeLauder is kind of their number one guy. Uh, he has the most talent, at least, I think, out of that group. Being a JMU commit, he's had his ups and downs at times this season. Uh, but when he's on, he's their best guy. To... I think probably Tanner Matthew gets the start for Hedgesville. We'll see if it will be Bromwell well, he pitched again. Wednesday in that 21 nothing win. That's why right. I'm not too sure if... It could be Lane. I mean, all three are very similar number-wise. Yeah, all three are very similar. You don't know how much rest they truly want for Matthew. And also, even though you got a 21 nothing win, so you're probably not fully worried about it, how much are you worried about you pitching the same Connor guy in a few days to the same team? I mean, you don't want to. So. You don't want to. I think o- overlook this Spring Mills team. Yes. But if you wanted to, I mean, realistically, you could go Connor or, or Elliot or one of those other guys. But they're probably not going to want to mess around and go with one of their top three guys. Presuming they can get a run rule victory as well, that would help their their innings long term. But a team that only used pitchers for one inning each inning of the game, uh, Musselman got a nice win over Pendleton 8 nothing, allowing just one hit between their seven different pitchers, uh, which is what you want to see in that kind of last game before the postseason. Everybody get an inning just to kind of uh, warm up and, and get ready. And now this Muslim team has won uh, some games here in a row. They're playing really good baseball, and they're looking like a formidable team to, you know, we had them as the preseason favorites. They're starting to turn it around and look like that team again that they were in the middle of the year. Yeah, and those seven pitchers just go for a combined 12 strikeouts as well in that 8 nothing win, so that's something that you really like to see uh, from the entire group effort there. Defensively still with three errors is something that you'd like to see cleaned up, especially if you're in sectional play. I mean, fortunately for them, those three errors weren't too costly against Pendleton County. But if you give up three errors against teams in the section, it, it might come back to bite you and be the difference maker. And we've kind of seen that here and there throughout the season 
four of them, it seems like they've been able to put up some clean games as of late and have the perfect game, for example. So obviously no errors there, but at the same time, they go out and have games where they're three errors, if not more. So you want to see that balance somewhere for Musselman, but the offense continued, right? That's what you love to see, especially at the top. Laura going two for two. Hartman having an RBI, Boyles having an RBI, and Dylan Stevens after the tough game that we saw him offensively, he's able to go out and have a two RBI day as well. Yeah, three straight wins for the Ambleman by a combined score of twenty seven to nothing. So, I mean, these last three games they're they're pretty much clicking on all uh fat facets of the game. The only thing though is that two of those games are against smaller schools and Moorfield and Pendleton. And then Washington's kind of struggled at times this year. So they're not coming against, you know, the top tier teams in section one or section two, but um, it's still, you know, three straight shutouts, 27 runs in three games. That's what you want to see from the Appleman heading into a game against Martinsburg where they only lost seven to five last time out. Uh, and we're pretty competitive in that game. So yeah, that game against Martinsburg maybe was a blessing in disguise as a wake up call for these guys. I'm, I'm just that entire week as a whole, right? Because they went on the what sixteen seventeen game win streak, sixteen game win streak, and then they had a four game losing streak and went one of five in those six games for a stretch. So maybe that was a wake up call that Musselman needed to now truly go back to its elite form to be those favorites that you mentioned. Yeah, I think uh, it was just a bad stretch, and maybe now they're starting to turn the corner and, and find some things out about their team. But um, I'm intrigued to see, obviously, tomorrow's game. You know, there's a lot of controversy about where those top three teams should have been ranked. In my opinion, though, overall, they're all pretty even. Yep. So, and you look at the overall record, Hedgesville has the least amount of losses. So, from that sense it, it makes some uh sense to put them as the one and you know they're all pretty equal it's a tough draw for martinsburg obviously but it would have been a tough draw for musselman or hedgesville if they ended up as the three so you know it is what it is you go to musselman and you know it should be a really good game um we'll see how healthy the bulldogs are obviously they had that scare of mike lupus last week so you hope that his shoulder is good to go uh, for the tournament but I think we're going to see some great baseball some really even matchups Spring Mills is a team you can't overlook they knocked off Musselman early in the year so you know it's it's very competitive in section one and section two while we have kind of overlooked Washington as of late we know Washington has some really great players on their team with Colin Reed and Cam Moore if those guys are clicking, you know, can they rally that young squad to potentially pull off an upset over a Jefferson? I mean, it does seem like Jefferson holds the edge there on the season series and everything, but you never know what can happen come playoff time. So, you know, I'm intrigued, uh, and I would say the Cougars have struggled offensively the last few games, so they're maybe not playing their best baseball heading into sectionals. Um, so I think overall we're going to see – a very competitive sectional tournaments and then a great regional championship whoever ends up representing yeah that big question mark is will colin reed pitch right that that's the thing that everybody's wondering for washington because we haven't seen him pitch in months i mean if he goes out there you feel like they truly have a shot at 
keeping it close and maybe even somehow pulling off the upset against Jefferson if or when they do meet, depending on how things go against Hampshire. You can't overlook them, even though on paper Washington Washington, excuse me, should get that win. And then if Reed goes out and pitches, can he do it, right? We, we haven't seen him pitch in months. So is his ability to go out there and perform on the mound and have your team be competitive because of him there yet, or will he not be 100%? Yeah, and it's not all on Reed either. I mean, they need some more offense. They've really struggled to put up runs the last few games. Um, and we know Jefferson's pitching has been top tier. I mean, a 1.74 team ERA. So they have just been, you know, killing it as a staff all season. So, I mean, even if Reed's out there one or two runs and Jefferson could find a way to win, even if Colin has a tremendous game or whoever's pitching for Washington, and, and same thing goes for Hampshire. So, you know, it's tough to see Jefferson losing with that pitching staff and their defense, but – you know, Washington does have some good young talent. Uh, and like we said, if, if Reed's available, you like their chances a lot more. But even with Colin, I don't know if it will be enough. They have some pieces there that they can potentially put something together. It just kind of depends on which Washington team we see. Because at times we've seen a really competitive, really talented team. You know, the team that beat Martinsburg twice uh, and looked good. But at times we saw... You know, last week in that game against Musselman, really not that impressive of a performance in that loss. So we'll see. I still think it's it's close, but I, I would definitely expect Jefferson to come out of Section 2. And then Section 1, who knows, you can you know th- put those four teams in a hat and, and pretty much three of them have a, a great chance. And you could pick any one of them to win that one. So I've, I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, we had some excitement on the softball side this weekend. Unfortunately, Hedgesville and Musselman haven't finished up yet because of the rain and the conditions of the field. So they're going to play tonight at 7. Uh, but Jefferson and Washington gave us another classic on Saturday, a 2-1 to one win for the Cougars, walking it off on a Savannah Smith home run uh, in the bottom of the 7th. Great win for Jefferson on Saturday and a great series between them and Washington. It's unfortunate that Washington doesn't get to advance to play for anything other than a sectional tournament, because they won 24 games this year. Yeah, it's definitely tough for them, and tip your hats to them for forcing another Game 3. We we talked about it Friday. We, you said uh, you wouldn't be surprised if um, <clears throat> excuse me, Washington was able to do it, and they got the 9-7 to win on Friday and uh, forced that winner-take-all game on Saturday. But just looking at that 9-7 to win on Friday first, it was... Washington having 13 hits so out hitting Jefferson 13 to 11 and then Jefferson having three errors is really uh what surprised me there defensively as well even though Becca Munslow and Maddie Ruffner went out and did their things I think it was the three errors that really were the difference maker in that one and then another low scoring game on Saturday and as you said Smith getting the walk off even though Jefferson again had three defensive errors they were able to hold Washington to just one run which they scored in the top of the first inning but it just shows you how good those two teams are and I completely agree with you it is very disappointing that one of those two teams unfortunately after great seasons 
have to stop after sectionals. I mean, could you imagine if both could represent the region, go down to states, and still in my mind, I'd think it would be the state championship between those two teams. Yeah, very well could be. I mean, Washington is a great team. It's unfortunate that, like I said, that they only get to advance to the sectional tournament because of having to, you know, be in a tough section. But that's just how things work. You know, you have to beat the teams in your section in order to advance the regions, and you have to beat the team in your regions or in your region to advance the state. So um, even though they're a really good team and, and, you know, they probably could compete for a state championship, um, you know, they came up short here on Saturday to a great Jefferson team and, and two great teams going at it. Always fun uh, when Washington and Jefferson face off. Um, you know, just really competitive games all season long. And it was a close series. Jefferson, though, won the majority of those games. So, I mean, they definitely deserve to be playing for the region. We'll see if it ends up being Hedgesville or Musselman. That's a really intriguing game tonight. I mean, it could go either way. Musselman seems to be heating up. Hedgesville has maybe the more talented or experienced team, but um, we've seen Musselman beat them already once this year, so anything could happen in that one tonight, and that should be a good one at Hedgesville. Yeah, it'll be a toss-up game that fortunately will finally be played, and then regionals come next week, so we'll have to keep an eye on how this one goes you gotta wait and see who goes out to a pitch between these two teams I mean last time they met it was for Hedgesville going out there you saw Brown start and then Van Dyne come in and finish the game and then for Musselman it was Sloan that went the six innings and it was a one-run game I mean these teams are competitive as you mentioned in the regular season even here in the postseason, Hedgesville only won by one, so I would not be surprised if Musselman was able to uh, win this one and force a another game. Yeah, that's true. They could still play another mm-hmm. game because Hedgesville hasn't lost yet. I wasn't really looking at it that way because I'd forgotten about the fact it, that it's tough. The field when, conditions yeah. forced it to a Monday, but yeah, you're right, Colin. So it should be intriguing matchup there between Hedgesville and Musselman double elimination tournament Hedgesville still holds the edge so we'll see how that plays out and then of course who gets the challenge of taking on the Cougars in the next round but on the other side of this break we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs along with the NHL playoffs Uh, a lot of drama going on there so exciting stuff on the other side of this break stay tuned yep this segment brought to you by Parsons Ford and Martinsburg they became number one by making you number one first go to ParsonsFord.com for more we'll be back for more of the sports mix after this two minute break so don't go anywhere you're tuned in to talk radio WRNR and TV 10 and pray to God I see headlights I made it We welcome you back to today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Kyle McLaughlin. Got a good show for you here today. We're getting into the NBA playoffs. Some exciting series. The Suns have tied things up at two. The 76ers have tied things up at two. Uh, Nikola Jokic kind of got into it with the Suns owner last night. So a lot of drama in these playoff series. 
I think I said on Friday that I expected the Suns to come back and at least take one game, um, and they were able to take two. So uh, that series is really anybody's series, and Philly able to kind of steal one yesterday again from Boston. So looking more like both of those could go seven games, Colin. Yeah, I said at the start of the series, uh, starting off with the Celtics and the 76ers, that I expected it to go seven games but as a Celtics fan I'm still frustrated that it's at this point tied two to two because both wins that the 76ers have had both stolen in the final seconds of the game I mean give them credit right Harden went out for those two wins and had fantastic games game one he had 45 points to contar or to carry excuse me uh Philly to that first win without Embiid and then yesterday going out having 42 points uh having the game tying shot in regulation and the game winning shot in overtime for philly so they they were able to get the job done give him credit give the team credit it's just frustrating that both were stolen i feel like from boston because they had it and had the opportunity to win in regulation but smart goes out and takes the final shot misses the three and then in overtime, Tatum's driving in, kicks it out again to Smart. This time he makes the three, but it wasn't in time, wasn't even close. So I, I wish things, obviously, as a fan would have gone different, but I guess as a neutral, you are always happy when series go seven games because you want to see more of this series. I mean, it's Boston-Philly. Who doesn't, right? Yeah, I mean, great rivalry there, historic matchups throughout the history of the playoffs and two great cities and and franchises as well when it comes to passionate fan bases so it definitely is a series that you'd like to see go seven uh the interesting thing for me is that the 76ers have won their two games in the series in large part due to James Harden Mm -hmm. not due to Joel Embiid now Embiid did have 34 in the game last night so it's not like he didn't do anything along with 13 rebounds but that was also the key too we were kind of saying on uh, Friday, you know, is Embiid going to be Joel Embiid at 100%, or will he be the Embiid that we saw in the previous game, which really wasn't the Joel Embiid that we're used to seeing, and, and it was him at 100%. I think the thing that gives Boston the overall edge is they have more guys they can throw at you to make big shots, but it appears, at least in the series, that maybe Tatum and Brown are kind of deferring to Marcus Smart for whatever reason. And those really should be Tatum or Brown shots there down the stretch. Um, unless, you know, the overall best basketball play is to find the open guy. And if they leave Smart wide open, you got to give him a chance to make it. But, you know, you'd like to see down the stretch guys that are your star players take over. And then it wasn't necessarily the case for Boston. So for whatever reason, it seems like to me the Celtics are playing a little bit passive in this playoffs and not really being the aggressors and that's not what we're really used to seeing from this group i mean they're kind of built on their defense and their toughness and they're and that's what you saw in game two right that's that's what you saw in game two as to why they had to blow out win they looked like the The Celtics that you saw in the regular season the aggressors but other than that it, it just hasn't been there for some reason and I don't know. I still am confident that they get the job done in this series. The only thing that worries me, though, now is since the series is tied, the more games 
end of the series, I, I feel like in my mind, the more healthy Embiid becomes, the more healthy he is, the more of an issue he's going to be for Boston. And if Harden's playing like how he's played in two of the games in the series that Phillies won, yeah, they I went. mean, 40-point games, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to win that all day. So, I mean, that's not really been the James Harden that we've seen traditionally in the playoffs, and it's not been the James Harden we've seen really since he's left Houston. So it's it's kind of nice to see him playing at a high level, even though you're a Celtics fan. Uh, I think from just the NBA fan, the basketball fan, you know, James Harden's a fun player to watch, and when he's cooking, uh, which we haven't seen him cook in, in quite some time, you know, the, the Harden family must be starving because James has not cooked. But he's cooking right now, and it, it's good to see, I think, from the intrigue of the series. So, you know, we talked about it too. The two teams really aren't that far apart record uh, when you look at the records. So I think the two teams match up pretty well. It, it should be a seven-game series, especially now that Embiid appears to be healthy and, and looking more like himself. So the Suns tie things up. We're headed back to Denver, tied at two. This series looked over in the first two games, but the home court helps Phoenix enough. Jokic gets into it with the Suns' owner. So some drama now in this series, and, and this one has m- even more intrigue. I mean, Denver, to me, right, they're the overall number one seed. They kind of need to prove it still that they can compete uh, with the more traditional powers in terms of the players that are on the other teams, right? The Currys, the LeBrons, or the Anthony Davis, you know, Clay Thompson, for Phoenix, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, we're used to those guys running their conferences. Recently, we were used to those guys running the West, and Denver's always been good, but not good enough to beat them, and now it's tied at two, and it looks like Phoenix has the momentum. Yeah, it does, even though Jokic went out and had 53 points yesterday. I think I heard, correct me if you heard differently, I think that's the most somebody scored and went on to lose. That could be accurate. Yeah, I, I think I heard that, that after the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a fun series that you get to now see more of because the series is tied, even though Denver went out, shot 56%. Both teams shot 56%. So it was a great game. Uh, I just wish I could watch more of it because being in the West Coast, I typically don't stay up to watch these. But when it's KD and Booker going for both 36 points i mean that's what you need from your two big stars if you're the Suns that want to continue this and if you're a denver fan what worries you is they've struggled all year on the road so you're happy that they're the one seed but having a losing record on the road kind of looking at that it doesn't surprise you as much knowing that now that phoenix was able to get the two wins at home and tie the series up yeah i think uh that's the big the big key has been the fact that Durant and Booker are playing more like Durant and Booker, and they're having these big scoring outings at home. So if that carries over into Denver, uh, you know Phoenix has those two guys that are better than any combination Denver can throw at you, even if Jokic is having his way offensively. Jokic is at his best when he's scoring 25 to 30, and then the guys around him are all pouring in 15, 20 here, uh, 10, 12, and he's getting those assist numbers up. I think he only had four assists yesterday. So that's really not 
when Jokic is at his best. He's best as a distributing player, not necessarily a scorer. I think he had his numbers flipped. He had 11 assists. Oh, okay. That's probably the number that you were thinking. That could have been it. But still, you didn't really see much other than from Jamal Murray. So I think when Jokic is getting everybody I mean, every involved, starter was in double figures, but yeah, 20-plus or 25-plus was Murray, but... They didn't use enough of the bench. Only three guys coming off the right. bench and getting 11 points out of those three guys. Uh, you're tiring out your starters. I, I get that you want your stars to shine, and those are your starters, but you need to give them breaks here and there, especially now that the series is probably going to go. I mean, most teams six, are tidying up their rotations in the postseason. You're really only going to see eight, nine guys get in the game, so... That's not super surprising. You'd probably like to see more production from the bench, but uh, that's kind of what I was hinting at as well, that you know the Nuggets are, are at their best when everybody's contributing at a high rate. They weren't really necessarily getting that the other night. But overall, Phoenix has got two of the best players in the league, two of the best scorers in the league, uh, and, and they need those guys to keep rolling if they're going to win the series two series tied or i'm sorry both sitting at two and one the knicks lead the heat two to one and the lakers lead the warriors two to one those games go down tonight any thoughts on these matchups colin i mean knicks heat has kind of been the story is can jimmy butler carry this team the knicks probably have the better overall team but the heat have butler and then the lakers and the warriors is you know how good is is curry and clay gonna shoot or will ad dominate i feel like that's kind of been the storylines for those series so far yeah i mean butler was back in the last game in that 105 86 win for miami to uh make it 2-1 you got to see him with 28 points and if he's out there again i think you still got to pick them as the favorites here against the knicks in Miami, and I, I don't know if you saw it. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, I can't remember who it was saying that it was the weather that really messed up the uh, New York Knicks. Did you hear about that or no? I didn't hear about that, no. I'm trying to remember who it was on the they NBA. Play indoors, uh, so I'm not certain why the weather I know, but the uh, travel, I guess, with the weather, the temperature okay. change and the humidity, uh, I can't remember who it was saying it, that tightens up their muscles, and you could see in the post they were fine, but when it came to beyond the arc that was why they were struggling i mean they they went eight of 40 for three so i'm trying to remember who it was i mean that makes sense that both teams also had to adjust now maybe miami's a little bit more adjusted because they live in those conditions but you know to me that doesn't really here we go it was jalen rose no well that makes sense why it doesn't make too much sense (laughs) it was jalen rose I mean, uh, it definitely makes sense from the perspective of, okay, it's hotter, so, you know, it's going to affect your body. But if both teams are dealing with it and both teams traveled from Miami to New York and then back to Miami, besides the fact that the Heat are always there and live there, I don't I don't know if that's really a great excuse for why they lost the game or shot poorly. He says, it affects the endurance of your muscles and causes tiredness. If you'll notice, the Knicks in particular are making the shots in the paint, but they're missing shots outside of the paint. So we were saying that whenever they traveled down, they should have paid attention to the weather and the heat of Miami, not just nightlife, because obviously everybody talks about too, that too. So you want to stay away from the nightlife if you're 
away team get the bed early and get ready for your game but he's saying maybe they didn't hydrate well enough is that what he's indicating that makes some sense i mean it it was just funny to hear that i guess yeah during the game but i couldn't remember who said it yeah i mean it it definitely adds up you mentioned these 10 p.m starts and i feel like a 9 30 would be better for both or everybody involved but also i get why it's 10 because you want to give everybody the games yeah so, you know, it's just, I mean, Lakers, Warriors, you'd love to be able to sit down and, you know, watch that whole thing. But with a 10, thir- 10 p.m. start on a weekday, it's kind of tough for us East Coast people. But uh, that's obviously an intriguing series. Does Golden State steal one tonight and tie the series? I think they do. I, I mean, it's tough, but I think those two teams are pretty even. I think they're going to see seven games. I mean, it's Lakers, Warriors. The star power is pretty high. Uh, but you know, if AD dominates again, I mean, the thing was, is clay was on fire in the last game, you know, so that's going to be key. Can they slow down clay at all? I really feel like it's more about the secondary stars than the stars in this series. Cause you pretty much know at this point what you're getting from Curry and LeBron. I mean, sure. Curry could go for 50, which would change everything. Um, but they need their guys like Clay to score at a high rate, and, and LeBron needs Davis to score at a high rate uh, and, and really dominate for them to be kind of the difference makers in what determines the outcome of the game. But overall, I think it's a seven-game series. I think we see it tied up at two after tonight. Why is AD and LeBron both game-time decisions? I don't know. But who who playing, puts this right? out, ESPN? They're playing. I mean, they're dealing with something. We all know it. Coaches Everybody's dealing to, with something. Right, but I don't know. I guess if it's significant to an extent, they have to put it on the injury report, so therefore ESPN is just reporting what's on the injury report. I don't get it. They're playing. It's not yeah. a game-time decision. Everybody knows it. Anything interesting going on in hockey real quick? before? Oh, the Panthers break? continue to play well. After beating Boston in 7, they are now up 3-0 against toronto so as a wild card it really uh surprises you how well they've been playing but that's the fun of the uh stanley cup playoffs and then two very high scoring games yesterday the uh devils were able to make it now 2-1 carolina still leads the series but new jersey got an 8-4 win and then seattle finally took one against the stars at home they got a 7-2 win so at least in this point right now it seems like other than Toronto, home ice is uh, playing a key role in this part of um, the playoffs. You got tonight Golden State against Edmonton at 8.30, and then tomorrow at 7, you got the uh, Canes and the Devils. So only one game tonight, it looks like, but it still should be a uh, good one as that series is tied up at one apiece. Very good. Well, on the other side of this break, we will uh, talk about WVU basketball. They acquired another player from the transfer portal, and Bronny James made his decision over the weekend on where he's going to play college basketball. So still a lot to talk about here on the Sports Mix. We're going to take a break, though. Yep, this segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Cabinets and design, bedding, outdoor, living, family-owned, and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Orsini's.com. More of the sports mix after this right here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10.
We welcome you back to this Monday, May 8th, 2023 edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us for the Sports Mix here today. Talking now about WVU men's basketball as the Mountaineers continue to add players through the portal. Raekwon Battle has signed. He played at Montana State. He won the uh, tournament, Big Sky, I believe, tournament player of, or won the tournament MVP for the Big Sky tournament. Um, This is now the fourth acquisition for WVU through the transfer portal, Colin. And it looks like they're getting some good players. I mean, he averaged 17 points per game for Montana State last year, so real solid addition. Yeah, guy that averaged 13.1 points right, per 17 game. in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a great addition, and this is the way things need to go if you want to have success. We talked about it earlier when they had a guy from Arizona as well uh, signed. It, transfer portal is where, in our minds, Bob Huggins needs to find players if WVU wants to be a competitive uh men's basketball program again and this is exactly what he's trying to do and i was watching one of uh the highlights from that big south tournament it was i believe the semi-final game for montana state and he got a uh buzzer beating alley-oop to get the win so a guy that has the hops um and can be hopefully a uh, big contributor for west virginia uh this year yeah montana state would lose to kansas state in the uh first round of the NCAA tournament, but, um, you know, it was only a 12-point loss, so he does have some experience playing against the Big 12 in that game. Uh, Battle went for 27. So, I mean, he can definitely play at this level, and uh, I think that helps too. So, this seems like a solid pickup for WVU, a team that needed more in its backcourt. They've addressed those issues with the Arizona edition and the addition here of Battle. And then they added the center, Edwards, as well. So it's been a really good transfer portal uh, recruiting job by Coach Huggins and his staff to try to get the Mountaineers back to where they want to be. I mean, they were a tournament team last year, but uh, they want to get 20 wins, 20-plus wins. They want to be a little bit more competitive in what's going to be potentially an even tougher Big 12 this year with all the additions coming in. Yeah, I mean, Houston, one of the top programs in the nation last year coming in. Cincinnati's always a tough program. We'll see uh, how BYU uh, does in the Big 12 if they become a basketball power or if they're able to compete or if maybe they just focus more on trying to compete in football and go from there. But this They've is a had big success year. I mean, in basketball before. It, so. It's going to be interesting because this is the big year of the Big 12, right? You still got Texas and oklahoma in there so you're up to 14 teams to have to go up against and for football it doesn't affect you as much they've took some teams out of the schedule and you only play a certain amount but i'm expecting at least for basketball you're going to play all 14 teams i don't know if they're gonna just limit the non-conference it kind of looks like that might be the case right now and you're gonna play all 14 twice like they did with the 10 teams you play them twice I mean, so, that's how the Big Ten is. So I, I expect it to be a fun year, and let's see how the Mountaineers do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they all gel together. Now that they're picking up some pieces, some experienced guys, but 
you know, it will probably take a little bit before this team really starts to play at the level they're capable of with this group. So I'm intrigued by it. I think they got better through the transfer portal, and we'll see if there's any other additions coming, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, you're already adding four guys to the roster, plus the guys you have coming back seems unlikely, but you never know what, what will happen. So the other big news in college basketball, Bronny James, LeBron James Jr., made his decision. And I had said that he was going to the G League. It made sense to me. But then I remembered the NIL, and I mm-hmm. thought, well, this makes a lot more sense because who can probably pay him more? Colleges with billions of dollars or a G League team? Colleges with billions of dollars was the answer. He's going and to USC. what college are you thinking of when it comes to yeah. NIL that's probably going to be able to throw the most money at Brownie James? USC, UCLA, those two come to mind, and, and this makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because you'll be in L.A., getting to live the Hollywood life still right across from his dad being a Laker. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Ohio State as LeBron from Ohio, and you thought, hey, since I didn't go there, let my son go there. But instead he chooses to go to USC, and I was hoping to see him at Ohio State because WVU plays him, but get to see him at USC and it's a solid program there as well, and with his name there, a lot of more talented kids will probably want to go there too. Well, they already have you know a good team in in the works returning. I mean, they returned both of their guards from last year, so and he's going to be that third guard on USC's team. Uh, the thing is, there's not really much room to recruit at this point, so I don't know if Bronny necessarily affects anything in terms of guys coming in at least the high school kids but um we'll see if he can get anybody maybe through the portal but usc is going to be formidable again this year and, and they're consistently been now you know a tournament type team uh since they made their coaching change so i think this is an interesting move it's definitely going to be the most talked about player in college basketball oh, for sure and it might put them as the uh favorites to win the conference i mean yeah but i, I, I mean don't really know anybody else in that conference that UCLA is going to be good again. Yeah, it's one of those two. So probably this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online; they'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. Back with our final segment of the sports mix after this two-minute break, right here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV Ten. Final three minutes on today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzali alongside me, Kyle McLaughlin. Going to talk some Major League Baseball here. The Washington Nationals go 1-2 and two on the weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Got a 9-8 win yesterday over the D-backs. Um, but overall, I mean, the Nats continue to struggle. They were all close games against Arizona, but unable to get those wins they start a series with the giants finishing up that west coast trip tonight you can listen to the game right here on <clears throat> talk radio wrnr uh colin any thoughts on the nationals right now a team that's sitting at 14 and 20 winnable series though coming up with the giants at least yeah if you win this series and go 500 on the west coast trip you can be happy with where this team's at i mean 14 and 20 you're, you're not too deep into the hole early on this year you're n- nowhere near where 
Oakland or Kansas City, for example, is you're still able to at least have some optimism that the Nationals could maybe make this a entertaining season for the fans, even though there's not much there. You still got Jake Irvin making his second start tonight, so we'll see how he does. Corbin then followed by Gray and Gore to start the Mets series. So hopefully if Irvin can go out, have a good start tonight, and then Corbin has another quality start in Gray, I mean, you you expect Washington to have a better chance in those two games than tonight. So as we said, the series is there for the taking. San Francisco uh, 15 and 18 right now this year. So Nationals uh, should be a competitive series. Yeah, I mean... The games were competitive against Arizona, three to one loss, eight to seven loss, nine to eight win. So they were solid. Orioles lost both their games on national TV to the Braves and the or to the Braves in that two game series. But they were competitive, you know, but not quite what you wanted. You wanted to at least split there for the O's. Yeah, uh, it would have been nice to get that series win, but losing the 2-1 to one and now getting to take on Tampa, though. So hopefully they can go out, get a win tonight. I think if they win tonight, it would be the MLB record for uh, most um, series opening wins in a row. I think they are at 12 now, going for 13 of the series opening. Getting well, they wins, lost so. both games to the Braves, though. No, it was a three-game series. Oh, it was? Yep. I missed something. Yeah, you missed Friday, the 9-4 win. Yeah, well, there we go. Not as negative now. I feel a little bit better. All right, that'll do it for the Sports Mix here. You are tuned in to WRNR Martinsburg.